Hi there, this is your podcast host, Gary Turner here, and I'm really excited to introduce you to Mr. Steve Brown, who is the Vice President of Human Resources at La Rosa's Pizzeria in the US. And I've been after Steve for quite some time. For anybody that may not know Steve, he's an, an amazing force for good online as well as offline, but he really is someone that brings an incredibly positive energy to the cyberspace and someone I'm really, really pleased to be able to share a conversation with you um, with today. So a couple of just little insights I wanted to share with you up front. What I think is really, really cool is that he talks about really, really clearly and really directly. He's in the, the area, in the, the function of human resources to deal with the real part of people, not the policy. Yeah, there's certain parts of the job that have to be done for sure, but he's a very, very strong advocate for the human centered element of HR and trying to stay away from leading the function from the policy area of HR. So just a, in a really positive, present, but direct way. I really love this conversation. I also really enjoyed hearing him talk about the fact that listening is huge for him. And he spoke about the healing power of listening. I think it's such a beautiful way of putting it. And a lot of people talk about listening as a gift, but it really is, you know, to be heard, to be felt, to be seen, that's what listening gives us. I just thought it was a really, really powerful uh, message for us all to, to take away. And also just one other thing for me as well is that before you get into the full conversation with Steve was he talks about this very different vibe that the people locally um, who go to La Rosa's, on average, they eat there two to three times per week. They have wakes there, they have weddings there, they have receptions. It just, this, this institution that Steve speaks about, I think is so, so powerful. How many of those do we have left? whether it be a, you know, a restaurant, whether it be you know, a major brand, you know, how many institutions do we really have left? We think about the UK, you would look at maybe someone like John Lewis or Marks and Spencer's, but there's not many. And I just thought it was a, and just to hear the power from Steve's heart of working for this organization, I thought it was amazing. So yeah, I'm really excited for you to, to learn more from Steve today. So I'll shut up now, let you uh, dive in and introduce you again to Steve Brown, VP of Human Resources of La Rosa's Pizzeria. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. Today, I am fanboying already because I have the Steve Brown on the podcast. Hello, Steve. Hello, Gary. How are you today? I am absolutely awesome. Honestly, thank you so much for joining me. I'm a I've been trying to get you for a while and I'm excited to have got you finally. It's exciting to be able to, it's almost surreal to sit here and talk with somebody in the UK at the same time. I feel like I'm watching the Jetsons when I was young. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I've not thought about that program for a while. How, how true is that today, Steve? It's, it's amazing. It's finally come true, what, 60 years later. That's mad. Oh God, you, you already got me started. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to the Jetsons. So would you mind, as we get going, for those that may not know you, Steve, would you mind just taking a couple of minutes just to introduce yourself? What do you do for work? And also, what are you passionate about? It'd be good to know. As for work, I'm the vice president of human resources for a pizzeria restaurant in Ohio. It's a regional restaurant, but we're more of an institution than other places. We've been in business this year for 65 years. So much different than a lot of restaurant chains, which on average last 10. So we're 
a big part of the city here, and uh, I'm very fortunate. I get to be over every aspect of HR. Uh, I have a great team that works for me of three other people, and we take care of about 1,100 people, 13 restaurants, a bakery, manufacturing that makes dough, which is awesome, uh, a call center, and a corporate office. So about 1,100 people in general. It's the best thing I've ever done in my career. I've been here for about 12 years, but I've been in HR for over 30. <clears throat> it's the only job I've ever had, or the industry I've ever been in. Uh, what am I passionate about? Uh, very similar to who you are, Gary, is people and the human side of it, the real part of people, not the policy or the procedure or the structure side, but the, the living, human, you know, breathing, messy person. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you got the message in there, because that's the fun part, isn't it? Let's be honest. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you know what I love? What jumps up to me straight away? I love that you spoke about um, the Roses being in part of the institution. That's such a rare comment to say these days with a sort of bricks and mortar business. You know, how, how is that sustained, in your opinion, just out of interest, Steve, so, so long? We have a very different vibe than in most places. Uh, to give you a some context on average people eat at our restaurants two to three times a week and they'll come for all kinds of things one for the food but mainly for the experience uh, we have birthday parties and funerals and wedding receptions and uh, class reunions across the street at our main restaurant uh, we're on the west side of cincinnati which is very tight-knit as a community high level of parochial high schools, Catholic high schools. And they'll ask you, so where'd you go to high school? That's very normal to be the first question that's asked of you. And just to give you context of why we're different, uh, the class of 1948 high school people meet monthly at our restaurant. Now there's only like seven of them left, but that's normal. Uh, and the other piece is, uh, you know, we're not the highest paying place. Uh, when people talk about our company, it's so visceral and emotional. Uh, they'll say, oh, uh, you work at La Rosa's, and they'll say, I love La Rosa's. You're like, woo, geez. <laughs> and so when we have that kind of emotional attachment, you know, it makes us better known. God, you got, you, you got me going already, Steve. I just, you know, everyone's talking about employee experience, customer experience. It sounds like La Rosa's been doing it for decades. We have, and what's interesting, we've done it unknowingly, to be honest. Uh, I would say within the last two to three years, we've been more intentionally people-centric uh, from the CEO down. Uh, it's been part of our culture and our fabric, but it was more naturally happening than intentionally focused. Uh, now, it's a reality all the time. Uh, part of it, though, was a transition of HR. I, when I came 12 years ago, it was very much compliance, no, shut everything down, treat everybody the same, you know, let's do more punishment to drive performance, which has never worked. And I came in, I'm like, hi, I'm Steve. What, what do you guys do? <clears throat> and so I just walked to the restaurants. I visit restaurants every week just to meet the people. So it's just taken time. But now the reality that was built into our restaurants is a reality throughout the whole company. That's brilliant. I'm interested actually, if we go back to your education for a moment, I'm wondering if there's a bit of a link here, Steve, because you, I think you studied in um, communications and interpersonal. I um, did. Inter is that right? 
interpersonal communications, which is a fancy word of talking to people. <laughs> uh, but I took a class back in the uh, early 80s on gender communication. Before it was even, you know, it's funny, a lot of the called out topics of today's society have been around since eternity. <clears throat> but now we're making them separate instead of inclusive. I did gender communication. I did freedom of speech was a class I took uh, worldwide, not just in America. Uh, I took classes on interviewing and just much more interactive push-pull. Uh, we did what on Generations, ironically, in the 80s. Ooh, because it's funny. I think everybody makes a generational piece now like it's new. It's not. It never has been. Uh, <clears throat> but I went to a college that was very much a liberal arts base so it was much more holistic in how it looked at things there were the technical side of things but it was much more about human behavior and i i went to school for hr before hr existed because it was personnel back in the day here in the states and it was not about people it just wasn't it was about confinement control uh, tight, tight, tight parameters uh, and more keeping people out versus bringing people in. And I hit it at the right time. <clears throat> Going through communications and philosophy and psychology fit the fabric a lot more. And is that something that's always been innate within you, Stiggs? It's really interesting you speak about, you know, this sort of interpersonal communications. You, you, you know, you, I've done a bit of research, Steve, be glad to know. So I saw on uh, your LinkedIn profile, you speak about sort of networking, culture, and employee relations being sort of areas that you're really passionate about. All of this is really playing back to that, that, that deeply human humanness, basically. So is that something that, that really drives you from a young age, would you say? Yes, absolutely. I didn't realize it. Uh, my mother, who is much smarter than I've ever been, uh, sat me down when I was struggling uh, after my freshman year in college, and she said, you know, you should be in a field that involves people. And I said, why? And she says, you don't see it, do you? She says, you're around people all the time. I said, yeah. She says, so find a field where you can do that and do that well. I tell the, I just had a group of OU students, my college, come and visit La Rosa's. I wrote about it this week. And <clears throat> I told them, and this is not an exaggeration, when I was at school, I would leave my, my dormitory and walk to class and say hi to every single person I met by name. And I knew them all and I knew about them. And it just, it fills my bucket like none other. Uh, it's a driving, driving thing for me. I have to know you. I, I don't know what to do to not know you. So um, I'll meet strangers and just get to know them. I think I'm odd though, because it's so over the top, uh, not intrusive. I'm just curious. I think there's so much to learn about people and people have such different experiences to offer and life and perspective and thought. And it's always fascinated me. Oh, what do you know, saying? I, I have to call out and I know the people that will listen, certainly over this side of the pond, Steve, your authenticity, and your congruence with that passion to really get to know people even comes through technology. You know, the way, oh. you, the way you say, you know, follow Friday to people, you know, you, you wish people well, you know, and I think there's a real art to actually to be seen the same online as you are offline. And I think you do that. So I just want to say thank you for what you do. It's brilliant. Oh, cheers. I appreciate that.
Yeah, and do you think there's, um, you know, in terms of the work that you do within HR, is there something, you know, because we want people to bring more of their full selves, that's quite a big conversation right now. How do you manage that from a HR perspective in terms of people bringing their full self and not wanting to intrude on sort of their Facebook accounts or their, or their Instagram? You know, how, how does an organisation manage that in sort of 21st century society, in your opinion? I think the first thing is, is you have to personally come to terms with it. And I don't, I think too often we project, we want something to happen to others, to them, to whatever that, you know, body of people is outside of us. As an HR professional, if you're not comfortable with it first yourself, it will never happen because you have to model it to others. So I see the uniqueness in the people around me, uh, you know, age, visibility, background, and I'm just fascinated because a person just recently said this, and I, I told her I'm going to steal it. I'm going to use it forever. Organizations for the past five, ten years have been hiring for culture fit. And she says, I think they should, add, uh, they should hire for culture add. And I thought it was brilliant because I don't fit, I add. And as a person, I either add to a company or I subtract from a company, one of the two. There's not a lot of middle ground. So from an HR perspective, in order for me to have you bring your full self to work, I have to realize there's uh, risk in doing that. Am I comfortable with that level of risk? Am I willing to accept you for who you are? Not judgmentally, just say, oh, Gary, you're like this. How cool is that? Be interested, genuinely interested in that, and then learn how that adds to our culture, not how to beat that out of you. Too much of HR is based on conformity, and I think that's absolutely a mistake. And I'll give you a great example. You can see, I know we're on video, my office is a menagerie. It is just, uh, I, it makes me very, very comfortable because this is how my brain works. My payroll manager is very, very, very organized where she will have things lined up on her desk, line by line by line by line. And if that's out of sorts, it throws her. So one day I went out there and I, and I twisted her stapler just because I'm that guy. And she came in and said, what's going on? Who, who messed with my desk? And I went, oh my gosh. She says, and she told, told me inside, she says, that's not funny. And I said, fair enough. She says, this is who I am. And I said, I'm sorry. So I crossed the line just trying to have fun and poke a little instead of valuing for her, being organized, being dedicated, being detail-oriented. That's much more what I need her to add to my company than my silly playfulness. Oh, that's, that's a really great example, Steve. And thank you for sharing it. I think it's, it's, it's a really great, vulnerable example to share, actually. Because, you know, there's other examples in that situation where people have gone, ah, they've got OCD, or they would have played about the fact that that person's got that set up in their life. But for you not only to, you know, to play, but then to acknowledge and be vulnerable enough to say, oh, sorry, I stepped over the line. I think that's a really powerful trait, Steve. Do you see vulnerability enough in the HR space or indeed leadership space for you? Absolutely not. I wish I did. I see more protectionism and I hate that word, but people are so cognizant of staying employed that they'll, uh, they'll deflect, they'll lie, <laughs> they'll couch in order to protect themselves, whether it's truly protecting themselves or not. Uh, I've always been taught by my parents to say, hey, you, you're honest, you're upfront, 
you're genuine because that's how you were created, not that's what you should be or what you should become. It's just who you are. It's very inviting. I, I found, find people attracted to be with me because I'm just, I just am so curious about who you are. But from a leadership perspective, absolutely not. People put up Teflon and, and facades and wear different faces with one audience versus another audience, even within their own departments or within their own companies. It's a real challenge. And from an HR perspective, oh, this is terrible to say about my peers. No, I find most of my HR peers to be um, kind of caught in a trap. They're not sure how to be themselves because they feel they have to represent the employee as well as the leadership in the, in the management. <clears throat> so they're, they're afraid that if they're themselves, they're not playing to either camp. And what I found is by being myself, I can be with everybody because we're all the same. You know, it, it's, a, it's just a different look at things. But no, I find most HR people, I freak out. <laughs> In the nicest possible way. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but I think it's fascinating for me, you know, that one of the big themes of this podcast is, you know, the vulnerability piece, because I really believe deeply that vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. I genuinely sure. believe that, you know, in, intrinsically. How can HR professionals, do you feel, maybe be more courageous or be that, you know, or the other side of that, be more vulnerable to actually step into that version of themselves like you have? You know, do you have any advice for them to, to try and do that? If they're a little bit sort of, you know, I'd like to be more of my true self or I'd like to challenge that senior leader, but I'm scared to because it's maybe not worth my job or... I don't know if it's my position to do that. Do you have any advice for those people? Yes, I do. Uh, one from Hard Knocks, because there were a few companies where I tried that and it didn't go well. <laughs> uh, so some of it's a little experimentation. You have to see where it goes. I, I think there's a couple ways to do things. One, you need to have leadership where you know their expectations of you and they know your, their expe your expectations of them. It's not just one-sided. In organizations that are top-down, whether they're flat or hierarchy or bureaucracy or whatever term you want to put on it, if expectations don't go both ways, you're only hearing from the top, whoever is above you, regardless of level. It needs to go both ways. It doesn't mean that everything has to happen so that my boss doesn't have to do everything I expect, but they should know where I stand, first thing. Second thing is HR needs to be a safe haven. And I've written about this. I believe this. My boss told me, he says, you are the safe haven of the company. That means anybody can talk to me about anything. What HR people don't do is we don't treat each other that way. So if an HR peer calls me and talks to me and says, look, I just need to talk. And they talk about their situation. I don't turn around and go, oh, well, gossip, gossip, gossip. Or if I were you, I would do this. Listening is huge and just hearing somebody it's amazing that the healing power of listening and i'm not talking about active listening versus passive listening and all that hoo-ha i'm just saying hey gary if i call you i really want to know how you're doing i want to get past the goods the fines the greats i want to hear what's going on not expecting the worst just to hear and i don't think we have good outlets as hr people we deal with a lot of awful stuff and so we swallow it or we do something destructive. Uh, we don't have healthy relationships in a lot of cases. 
So I think it's uh, being a safe haven for each other. And then the third part is uh, being vulnerable, period. Now, this is, again, where I kind of freak people out. <clears throat> I don't believe trust is earned. I believe trust is given. <clears throat> I'm going to trust you, and I know you're going to disappoint me just as I'm going to disappoint you because we're humans. But I'm going to trust you the minute I meet you, and you can ask me anything about my life, and I will not hold back. Not from a truth or dare or a you know, let's outdo each other or my story is bigger than yours perspective, but just to know there's nothing you can't ask me. Your background won't freak me out. Uh, I'm not going to you know, drop my jaw when you tell me I grew up in this situation or that situation. It's your life. Uh, you know, and I want to learn from how, what you've gone through, and then we can learn from each other. Uh, I think that takes a big step, and not everybody can do it, but if you could do it in degrees – versus being guarded, I think you'd feel a lot better about who you are and what you do. Oh, God, I'm looking at the clock now and going, right, do I have an hour and a half with Steve or not? <laughs> <laughs> there's, so, there's, there's, there's so much in that. I think, I think the vulnerability piece for me in itself, like I say, dialing it in, dialing, you know, removing those masks bit by bit, is, is, is the, I, I would totally reinforce that. I think that's a really, really good message. But I think that taking a stand bit, Steve, is really powerful. You know, do we, not just as HR professionals, but as individuals, do we know what matters to us enough? Now, you wrote a book around HR on purpose, which I think transcends HR, to be fair. But, you know, do, do we know enough as individuals what we want to take a stand on? I think it's sometimes a challenge. I agree. I think the challenge, Gary, is uh, in today's society, we think if I take a stand, you have to take a stand that matches my stand, which is just weird to me. <clears throat> I've had conversations with some, I'll give you a great example. <clears throat> we had a team member. She's no longer with us, but while she was with us, she told us that she was a Wiccan, a witch. Fantastic. And everybody here in conservative middle America went, holy moly, we have a witch that works for us. What's going on? So I went to her and I said, hi, I heard you had something interesting about you. I said, now I'll be honest. I don't know what it means. And it's not a matter of whether I believe you or believe in it, but I just want to know how does that help you do your work? And she says, well, it's just part of who I am. I said, cool. So it's part of who you are. It doesn't mean everybody else has to be a witch as well. And she said, okay, sounds great. And she was wonderful. What a great person. But a lot of HR people would go, oh, my gosh, we need to write an anti-witch policy and have all this stuff going on, you know, and let's have a trial, all the Salem stuff, you know, instead of saying, huh, well, this is interesting. Uh, one of the things that when you talk about vulnerability, I think people self-describe themselves way too much. I'm funny. I'm uh, gregarious, I'm this. I think people should be described by others, not from a comparative standpoint, but from a reality standpoint. <clears throat> Instead of self-proclaiming, what others see in you is who you really are. So people at my work say, gosh, we don't, we don't get you because you're unflappable. And I go, yeah, what do you mean by that? They say, people tell you stories and you just go, oh, well, that's interesting. Instead of losing your mind going, are you kidding? She's a witch. <laughs> um, I think it's just something that I'm more comfortable with. Uh, but it also allows me to st take stands 
both for people and against things if their behavior is out of line. <clears throat> I, I think the only thing to stand against is behavior, uh, not belief. Beliefs are beliefs. I may not agree with beliefs. I may be absolutely counter to those beliefs. Uh, but I think behavior is something an organization can expect from people. That's a really powerful reflection. That's a really powerful reflection. I love, I love that. You know, what, what right do we have to challenge someone's beliefs? That's, the, that's theirs to own for them. But behavior are expected, competencies, professionalism, whatever that might be. I think that's a really, really powerful reflection. Thanks. Really, really powerful. No, I've not, I've not heard it mentioned in such clarity, you know, beliefs. I think that's a really, really helpful. I think the HR people listening, maybe in early stage career or wherever they are on their journey, just to know, leave the beliefs alone. You don't need to manage those. You need to manage the behavior or support the behavior. Well, and I agree. With, here's why I agree with that uh, or, or I try to practice that. Um, I'm very concerned by people saying I need to be known by X label and whatever that label is first instead of hi Gary hi Steve and then you tell me who you are and you can tell me the beautiful tapestry of everything you are and I don't care and I don't mean that from a negative standpoint I don't have to know you because of those identifiers or beliefs I want to know you as a person first all of those other attributes make you the wonderful person that you are but if it's the lead and that's what I'm expected to have first. Believe what I believe, or you're against me. It puts up barriers. And it's really counter to everything we're trying to do with diversity, with inclusion, with humanity in the workplace. I have every type of person around me all the time. And I don't go, oh, there's Gary. He's my gay, straight, black, white, green person. It's like, there's Gary. Well, did you know that this is what Gary believes? Yeah, I think that's cool. Gary, you good with this? Is this healthy? You're not hurting yourself or someone else? Go. While you're here, I need you to do these things so you can do your job to your best. We get caught in the junk of beliefs instead of accentuating beliefs and saying that's, who, that's what people makes them great. Yes. Honestly, I need another hour. This is, this is like insane. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. But what I think is really powerful as, as you talk is your presence and your, your clarity. So you spoke earlier about projection, which I think is really interesting. So I've had quite an awakening myself the last eight months that actually, we, you know, at the world that we live in, we project, we project out. But the outside yeah. world ultimately doesn't do stuff to you. It's actually what you're projecting out onto the world. And it sounds quite woo-woo, but I found that to be true for me, which is... sure. And it's, I don't think many people get that yet, Steve, to be honest. I agree with Gary. <clears throat> I think it's a good uh, awakening, as you said, a realization. Uh, you're taking notice of others. I think the challenge of why that's hard for people to come to terms with is we're so self-focused mm -hmm. that it clouds us from, A, what we are projecting, because we are, no matter if we don't think we are, we are. And two, we're so worried about what's going to happen to us that we just don't look at things from an other's perspective. I, I've never been wired that way. Uh, I'm, you know, <clears throat> I'll go to places and I'll just go, here are the 75 things that are awful in life. Ugh. 
They'll go, how are you? I go, I'm awesome. It's a beautiful day. It's blue outside. I love it. And they go, you're just odd, you know? <laughs> you know, why can't you be miserable with us? I said, well, I didn't know that was what I was supposed to be. You know, I, I can't do that. I never have. Even, even in difficult times, and, and I don't mean to sound trite to, to, your, to you or to your listeners, uh, I've had challenges. I still have challenges. But I think it's, you know, who I am based on my upbringing, my faith, my beliefs, that uh, there's too much to life to enjoy versus too much of life to wallow in. And, and out of interest, if I may ask you, Steve, do you have to do or try anything to feel that way? Or is that just your innate, that Steve? I've never thought of that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've been that introspective. That's a really good question. Uh, back to your comment earlier, I went to a HR evolution in Atlanta several years ago, an unconference un it was called. <clears throat> and this were a lot of people who were just starting out in social media and we all got to meet each other in person. And the thing I love about social media is this, we don't think people really exist. And then we meet them and like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> there they are. And I had a person come up to me, hug me like we had been together for our lives. And she pulled me back and she says, I'm really glad to see that you are who you are in person, just as you are online. And I said, am I supposed to be different? And she said, well, everybody else is. And I said, isn't that a shame? Because I'd like to know you for who you are, not who you think I think you should be. <clears throat> and she went, wow, okay. And we're tight. We're still very, very close. There's no reason to have a persona. I'm not here to perform for you. I'm here to be who I am. So I guess to answer your question, no, I don't try. I just, it's who I am. It's, it's really interesting. Part of the reason I asked the question in the moment is because I used to be that person as, as much as, two, you know, as recently as two years ago. So not sure. in my personal life, but I had so many masks. Not, and I, you know, I was telling myself the untrue, you know, you're not good enough, you don't deserve X, or the victim thinking. And I think it's that. When, if we don't realize what we're telling ourselves about ourselves, we think it's the outside world doing it to us. That's where we get trapped. That's brilliant. And, and, and real. And I think, and I don't, I don't make light. And the one thing I've learned is this. Uh, I don't want to say I'm a chameleon, but I'm pretty close. Uh, we had a plant at one of the companies I worked for in South Carolina. South Carolina, very different than Ohio. Slower pace, very rural. People are a little more country than I am. And within a week, we were hanging out, drinking Budweiser, having a great time, just being ourselves. I come home, I don't have to be, I can be who you need me to be in your place, not to make errors or to, to change who I am, but to value who you are. Uh, I'm going to come visit the UK in a few months. Very excited. <clears throat> and my wife and I have told her, I said, I don't want to see the UK through our eyes. I want to see it through others. So I've been talking to you. I've been talking to other friends to say, when you look at where you're at, what do you see? Because that's the experience I want to have. And I'll be able to adapt and be British quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking forward to the accent, Steve. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Do you want to give it a practice now? Oh no, no. I would. It would sound. It would sound awful, and I would pretentious, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's brilliant. 
Um, if we talk, I'm really interested, you know, some, you know, you've been at Turn the Roses now for 12 years, clearly making a big impact from a really human-centered point of view. What are some of the, your challenges or observations you've made over those 12 years? Maybe not, not just for HR, but for you as well. How have you grown, Steve, over the last 12 years in your role? That's a great, great question, Gary. I think the, the biggest challenge I have right now is uh, I can't get over the hump that people think that interacting with people is a task versus being natural. I just, it's so hard for me to grasp because for me, it's so natural. I, I don't know why it has to be forced from others. And I'll get all of the, the psychological stuff. Well, I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I'm a this, I'm a that. And I'm like, stop it. People just want to know you. Uh, my boss said one of the greatest things of acknowledgement is the best form of recognition. And I find that too many people don't even just say, good morning, great to see you, how are you, and stay and listen. You know, we do the drive-by. We say, hi, 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 sit down, pop to our computer or our phone, and we really didn't care about any interaction we have. So I have to slow down to make sure I don't fall into that same trap. And what I've learned is uh, how fortunate I am. I have the HR job people dream of. I am in a giant experimentation lab every day. And I'll give you a great example. This morning, uh, I went around, did my rounds to say hi, like doctors check on their patients. So do I, you know? And so I check and see, and some people are willing to talk and others are willing to say, Let's do the normal salutation and off you go. But the CEO, I never allow him to do that, ever. Because <clears throat> someone needs to be his outlet. So I sit down. I said, so how, how's your weekend? And he goes, oh. And I went, okay. I sat down. And he told me about a struggle, personal situation, family situation, health situation, not him, but relatives. And he needed that five minutes. That five minutes framed his whole day. So to be in a senior position, I'm an executive, and I sit down with the CEO to see how he's doing, not to see how we're performing, not to see what our numbers are, not to see what the, you know, what's the issue of the day. <clears throat> Since that initial conversation, I've been into his office three other times to talk about business issues, but I go in with his style, not my style. You know, boom, 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 out I go. Don't just sit there. and I would talk for days but I need to do his style. And so what I've learned is I've had the environment to really practice the way I want to see HR and the organization has responded. I know this is by far the exception because most organizations want to define HR for HR. So leaders will say, HR will be this. Learning and development will be this. Organizational development will be this. And they box it in because we do better trying to understand boxes than just humans, which I don't get. <clears throat> Here, my boss is like, as long as you make it happen, I'm good, but you need to make it happen. So I get to experiment. So I'm very, very fortunate. I love that. But a big part of what you're describing for me, Steve, is around trust. So your CEO trusts you and you trust yourself to be doing the best you can to the organization. I think as long as you're giving and receiving trust, that sounds like the biggest, and from my experience, that's one of the key bridges. To, to, I agree. To that experimentation. Would that be a fair comment, Steve? That would be a fair comment, and I think that it would be, I think you 
see organizations grow and thrive and be more vulnerable if they practiced giving trust instead of, well, you know, when you do these 10 things, then I'll trust you. I, I might lose you. I, seriously, I might have you leave the company because when we get to seven, you're like, look, I can't keep doing this. I'm just hitting wall after wall after wall after wall. And you could lose incredible talent because you're not giving trust first. Now, giving trust doesn't mean opening the barn gates. It just means we're establishing that relationship going in. And then we can have candid conversations. If something's going poorly, I can talk to you. If something's going poorly on my end of it, you can talk to me as well. So I, I really like that. I think that's very solid. Okay. And I just want to come back. I'm conscious of time, Steve, but I, if you don't mind me asking you, no, it's great that you are that outlet for your CEO. Where does Steve Brown go if you need five minutes? Do you have sort of like a, pre a professional coach or do you go to your network? You know, where do you go <clears> that support for you? Uh, I have uh, an incredible network online and uh, in person. There's uh, a couple of things. My best friend, Fred, I can go to him today. Uh, Fred is in his 70s and he is a former HR person. And uh, he calls me every week. And his first thing is, how are you doing? So I have an outlet and I can just vomit on him if I have to invent. We don't. We're very positive, but we're there for each other. And I always make sure to ask how he's doing. It's never just listen, listen, listen to me. Uh, but I have people outside of HR too, uh, dear friends, family. Uh, but I'm very intentional when it comes to in relationships. If I know you, get ready because I'm not going to let you, you go. And uh, another example, I have a pretty long commute. I drive about 45 minutes to an hour uh, from, from the office to home. And so every night I call people and just talk to them just to see how they're doing. And just and they ask about me most of the time, but not all the time. So part of my outlet is to fill myself with what else is going on in other people's lives because it just keeps me balanced. No, I, I absolutely love that. I've got to say that the last, I think it's the last 12 months, Steve, so I've been a lot more intentional myself around getting that support because even I do a, a mixed role, a sales role, international sales role uh -huh. and a people role. And I think, you know, it, you, and I think you can get trapped. You know, you, you can believe you're okay on your own. I think, Back to your point, unless you've actually got someone else to bounce off or to rib off or to at least check in with, you don't always know what's going on for you, do you? Until it's too no, late. I agree. And, and when you don't have that person, by the time you find out nine times out of ten, it's very unhealthy. Hmm. And, and, and almost could be very destructive. So you need to be very, very careful. We were wired to be with others. I mean, that's just that's how people were created. Uh, I love that. As we come up for the last couple of questions, Steve, who or what is inspiring you the most right now? Wow, that's tough. Okay, <laughs> this is going to sound this is going to sound self-serving, and I don't want to be that. Uh, I get notes every day, every day, from around the world about my book, and they just it just floors me. You know, I read your book and you don't know me and, and they tell me these glorious stories of, I was, you know, dark and desperate about HR and hated everything about it. Read your book. Now I'm on track. It's hard not to just get really, really excited about that. Uh, it, it floors me. I never meant that to happen. Uh, but I, I 
to hear stories from around the globe about a piece of paper. It, it drives me, uh, makes me want to do more, makes me want to connect with them, makes me want to fly to Australia to meet them or to South Africa or to Russia or to the UK. Uh, but that's just because I'm like, you need to tell me more. What's, what's going on? Uh, so the book has really opened doors that I never expected. And the second thing is, uh, I've been talking more to students, young people, because I think a lot of young people, unfortunately, in the workplace, we've uh, separated, we've said are less than, or we've made incredibly horrible generalized stereotypes, and we forgot that we were young. You know, we said we wouldn't be that that society, that generation that did that, and every almost every person I know is like. Those young people, rah, rah, rah. It's like, no, I want to find out why they look at the world differently. Um, why they're more socially conscious than I, than I was. Uh, why they have different balanced perspectives of the workplace than I ever thought could happen. That makes me better and able to practice in my current situation. Uh, young people excite me. I think they're not only our future, I think they're our present. Well, that's, that's, that's a wonderful reflection. I was actually listening to a podcast by uh, Donna Jones, I think it was yesterday, and they were talking about the youth, Steve, in, the, in some of the most politically unstable areas in, in the, the Congo, for example, and in Nigeria. They are self-organizing to actually challenge their local leaders and elders that there is a better way, a more human way to actually operate. So I totally with you. Like I was, I was almost had tears in my eyes listening to that yesterday, this podcast. It's just because you don't hear that on the news. Huh? The, the right. Positive stories you don't hear on the news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, final thing I'd like to actually run by you. So I saw that you did uh, our, our joint friend, Mr. Mark Hendy, and his HR mixtape. And there's a little bit of a bias between Queen. So uh, <laughs> a, bit, a bit of a long-term fan of Queen, Steve? <clears throat> this is going to be a terrible story. I haven't told this for years. <laughs> In uh, sixth grade, so at elementary school here, uh, our choir teacher said, there's this new song, and it's just amazing, and it came from a group, and we need to learn it. So she taught us Bohemian Rhapsody, and we sang it because she thought, look, it's, it's uh, orchestra, it's drama, it's rock, it's all this stuff mixed into one. And, and there had never been a song at that time that that was that broad. And, I, and the minute I heard it, I was like, I am going to follow these guys incredibly. A Bohemian Rhapsody saw it. Their friends go, well, it's not historically accurate. I go, it's about Queen. Shut up. Who cares? And uh, I've been a giant, giant fan of Queen for, oh, gosh, since the 70s. Uh, still am. And my kids listen to them. My wife listens to them. Uh, it's funny. Over here in the States, uh, every other commercial now has a Queen song like they're this brand new band. Uh, they're brilliant and always have been. And you know me, I am a huge music person. Queen's one of many bands that I follow. Uh, I tend to be a catalog person, again, older. I'm not a song person. I don't want to say, oh, Bohemian Rhapsody is the best. You know, well, tell me another Queen song. And people go, uh, they start stammer. Uh, I have the whole catalog of Zeppelin, the whole catalog of The Clash, the whole catalog of Elvis Costello, <clears throat> the whole catalog of The Who. I believe in, in hearing the whole body of work, warts and all, um, much more than the song. 
I think that's a, I think it's a lo lovely way to start to wrap up because I'm going to try and tie this all together, hopefully cleverly, but who knows, Steve. But when I saw the film, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I've always liked their music, but I fell more in love with their music after watching the film. But where I'm going with this is I did not understand or realise the level of experimentation and curiosity that Queen had as a band to create those amazing hits. Absolutely Love that. Amazing. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a formula. They didn't hit one niche and go, we're just going to reproduce this again and again and again and again. Uh, I thought they were very diverse, very, very smart, smart people. So message to the HR people listening. Don't keep doing the rinse and repeat. Be the queen of the future for HR. Love it. How can people reach out to you, Steve? What's the best way to contact you if they want to follow up and they don't know you yet? I would say that the two best ways are this, Gary. I am very, very active and visible on Twitter. And if you connect with me there, I will make sure to get to know who you are and interact and see the work that you do. So on Twitter, I'm at SBrownHR. It's S-B-R-O-W-N-E-H-R. And then LinkedIn. Uh, but understand, if you connect with me, that we will be connections on purpose. And I will make sure to, to be a part of your life, and hopefully you'll uh, allow me to be a part of yours. That's a beautiful message. Thank you very much, Steve, for your time. I'll make sure those contact details are in the show notes. And have a great day. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Bye. Hi, this is your Value Through Vulnerability host, Gary Turner, just wrapping up this genuinely sublime conversation with Steve Brown. There's a few key areas I wanted to wrap up with you. One is this lovely approach to checking in with his colleagues that Steve operates with. You know, he makes sure he's there for the CEO. He makes sure he's there for his colleagues. He goes around like a doctor, checking in on his patients. And I just think as a metaphor, as something, as a mind model, I think that's just so, so powerful. I know of very few, actually, if any leaders that I've worked with that have ever taken that amount of time or intentional effort to check in and make sure they're human beings that they serve are actually in, a, in an okay place. And if not, they're there for them to, to have a conversation. I think there's a lot to be learned there. So if you're listening to this and you're in a leadership role, or maybe you think this podcast could serve someone within your organization to lead with more of a love-based approach, such as Steve Role Models, then please do pass this podcast on. I think it could be really helpful. I also really enjoyed how Steve spoke about the fact that we cannot challenge beliefs, but we can expect behaviours. And I just love the story he tells of, the, of his colleague that, yeah, she says that she believes that she's a witch and he doesn't judge her, he doesn't mock her, doesn't make a joke about her. Just says, okay, that's fine. That's what you believe. I'm not going to challenge that, but we do expect you to follow these value systems. We expect you to behave a certain way as part of our organisation. I just think the way that Steve's got this beautiful ability to see each individual as exactly that, an individual, and not cast judgment based on you know, socialized views or what other people may say or his own biases, just really sees the individual as exactly that. And I think there's so much power in that. You know, I take so much away from that, and I, I believe many of you will do as well. I also, it also made me smile when Steve spoke about the fact that he cannot get his head around the fact that people see dealing with other human beings as an inverted comma task. You know, maybe they're in the wrong job if they see it as a chore to have to deal with other human beings. And I thought that's a really interesting reflection. And finally, just to wrap up, I also enjoyed Steve talking about the fact that acknowledgement is the biggest form of recognition. There's a real common theme for me from speaking with Steve around his 
his own sense of belonging and his passion and energy and desire to ensure that everybody that he touches with his words, with his interactions, also feel that they belong. And this makes me think of the work of the likes of Brene Brown and, and vulnerability and, and belonging. And I just think, yeah, I, I've not spoken actually, to be honest, with anybody like Steve before in this space, um, personally. And I think he really does role model what it means to be a human-centered leader as we increasingly augment technology. So I really thank Steve for sparing the time I'm glad we finally managed to align our diaries. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do let us know. Feedback on the various social media platforms. But a review is always welcome and gratefully received on iTunes for this podcast, which is Value Through Vulnerability. Thanks very much for your time and hope to hear and speak with you on the next podcast.